Welcome to the Medicare Stars Podcast, hosted by Dr. Peter Saw, a podcast that holds insightful discussions with subject matter experts on a variety of topics that influences the performance of Medicare Stars in healthcare organizations. Welcome to the Medicare Stars Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I hope you're doing well, and I hope your day is going very great. Uh, For today, we're going to look at uh, building a continuous improvement culture um, that drives performance. And as you all know, the Medicare Stars industry is constantly undergoing significant changes from both um, internal and external factors. And health plans are expected to adapt and improve on processes to enhance performance. In McKinsey's Organizational Health Index, continuous improvement culture is one of the significant or key ingredients for a healthy organizational culture. And their research shows that the most common type of culture in high-performing organizations is the continuous improvement one. This index also proved that in almost 2,000 companies, um, organizational health is closely linked to performance. And in fact, the healthiest companies are more than twice as likely to outperform their peers. So as I mentioned for today, I'm joined by Tracy Papas um, to discuss building a continuous improvement culture that drives performance. Tracy is a dynamic healthcare leader with extensive experience in population health management, cost management, root cause identification, operational improvement, strategic planning and implementation, including Lean Six Sigma quality application. Tracy, welcome and pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Dr. Saw. Um, I really appreciate you having me on your podcast. I've listened to your podcast and you've had quite the lineup of professionals with great experience and I'm honored that you invited me to be a part of it today. Thank you so much for agreeing to be here. So Tracy, tell us about yourself and introduce yourself and also tell us about your your career journey as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm a staff vice president at Elevance Health. I lead um, quality strategy and innovation to improve health outcomes for our populations. Uh, Specifically, my team partners with various stakeholders across our organization and communities to create programs that help members complete important health screenings and help to manage their chronic conditions. We're continuously looking for ways to drive improvements um, and to create initiatives that cross many domains uh, focused on that end-to-end patient journey. So just um, a little bit about me is that I'm a change agent. Um, I'm grounded in strategy process and execution. I really thrive on building high-performing teams that bring value to our members, uh, first and foremost, but also to our organization, as it really takes a village to continuously improve. Um, You touched on this a little bit in in the introduction, um, but uh, I did have the fortunate opportunity early in my career to work for General Electric, where I received Uh, my black belt um, in Six Sigma and received facilitation Mm -hmm. training to lead teams through quality improvement and change management. 
And little did I know at that time in my career that this would become a lifetime uh, career of always yeah. seeking improvements and challenging <laughs> teams to be efficient and uh, streamline those non-value added tasks. Um, so mm. uh, I'm deeply rooted in data-driven decisions, performance, measurement, and outcomes. And about 20 years ago, um, I ventured into that healthcare space um, with GE as well, and then later Elevance Health. Um, and I can't imagine working in any other industry. Um, I've been at my current um, company for almost 14 years and uh, value uh, the opportunity to be part of um, our mission to improve the health of humanity. That's beautiful. As you know, um, continuous improvement started in the uh, the manufacturing industry and eventually uh, rolled over um, to healthcare. So that's that's amazing to to hear that. Let's dive into our topic today: continuous improvement culture. Um, what does continuous improvement culture mean to you, and how does it impact um, delivery of care and value based care? So to me, a continuous improvement culture is where everyone is really committed to achieving excellence. To be excellent, teams need to be aligned around a common goal, willing and supportive of optimizing processes, products, and outcomes. Um, They should be meeting your consumer demands and even their unmet needs, and you're able to demonstrate uh, value. So those are the things that um, really stand out to me for a continuous improvement um, culture. And uh, NCQA and CMS foster uh, you know, a really competitive environment, all centered around mm-hmm. optimizing care delivery and improving uh, patient health outcomes. Uh, they demonstrate this you know, by introducing new measures, retiring measures once you've reached the highest ceiling, through uh, cut point uh, increases and changes, um, really demonstrating um, improvement Im- uh, initiatives uh, and measuring that impact on uh, your population. So um, those are just some of the things that, you know, it does impact our care delivery that we're uh, providing to our patients and to our care. Uh, and to continuously improve, um, you have to identify these root causes and the drivers of the problems uh, so that you can design and implement improvements um, improvements to these. So um, that's, that's just a little bit of um, my thoughts around uh, continuous improvement. Mm, absolutely. And you, you made a huge point here um, relating this to CMS and NCQA and even what we do on a daily basis. Uh, we, we can't we can't remain in the same spot um, in order for us to continue to enhance um, uh, care delivery and uh, look at um, innovative ways that we will be able to meet the needs of our uh, members. We definitely have to look at different or varied um, processes and how we can be able to improve. And um, CMS and NCQA, uh, you know, do do a great job at keeping us on our toes <laughs> with yes, with do. that. So uh, <laughs> that is a huge uh, point that uh, you you raise, and you know, and that is why it, it's it's very important that you know in this space we always number one. We are. We have to be used to change, and we have to continuously look for new ways to adapt into change and how we'd be able to um, improve on our current processes. So, as you know, 
um, uh, when it comes to building a continuous improvement culture, like you mentioned, it, it, it revolves around teams. It definitely revolves around pe- um, people. Um, and with that said, leadership also comes to play. Um, so how do we ensure um, the buy-in of um, leadership and, and, and people? It's a great question. And I want to just go back to something that you touched on for a second, just around um, it revolves around our teams and our people. Um, Organization culture is really rooted in people and their behaviors. um, And they're very, it's so critical to driving incremental improvements. Um, I do think that teams need to be committed to a few key areas. So um, alignment and agreement of the goal Um, Being comfortable with open communication and having a willingness to work together. Uh, I also think data-driven decisions um, really are the secret sauce to driving driving improvements and remaining curious. Those are just some of the things that come to mind about what I think of a high-performing team in this continuous improvement space. So you mentioned about you know buy-in from leadership and um, our people you know are our greatest assets and um, you know to to obtain that buy-in I think we we really need to take time upfront to define the problem uh, that we're trying to solve um, that's that's critical and then measuring the problem to determine demonstrate just you know the size and the impact of the problem. Even if you have member testimonials, member examples, um, these help to just reinforce the need for change. Um, mm. I think that's something that's really critical is making sure you have really clear definition of what, what the problem is that you're trying to solve. Um, next, I think having a champion or someone that's going to help promote or uh, help you to uh, just advertise or be supportive or be behind you in that need for change um, and influential physician, nurses, leaders within your organization, uh, I think are a critical piece of um, obtaining buy-in. And um, one of the things like when I was at GE um, and GE Healthcare, I worked on several projects where uh, we actually engage the stakeholders that are part of the process. Those that are closest to the process tend to know and have a pretty good idea of what's um, broken or what's causing delays or what's taking most of their time. So involving Mm -hmm. them in your uh, root cause identification and your barriers um, really help to turn those into solutions that will, um, you know, originate with those stakeholders and that will help to uh, build and instill longer lasting improvements if, uh, if you have those folks closest to your change. Um, that seems to be a strategy that um, has proven to be pretty successful. Um, I also think um, identifying those uh, improvements as you're as you're you know understanding the problem, measuring how bad it is, and then you're working on um, improvements, making sure that everyone is trained, confident, comfortable with the improvements um, will mm-hmm. help to ensure that uh, your your improvements are successful. And I always think about measuring, uh, measuring and communicating your progress along the way. 
um, and being very transparent about it, where you have risks, where you have items that you need help with and communicating that regularly uh, really helps to continuously refine, um, making sure you're working towards excellence um, with zero defects um, is, is the goal. So, um, and appreciation goes a long way. So appreciating your stakeholders, appreciating your champion, um, understanding mm-hmm. the change that you've made and, and how it has had an impact um, on your process that you're trying to fix um, and your um, outcomes for your members. You've touched on great points, um, defining and measuring the problem to understand um, it impacts and substantiating the need for the change with evidence. And you provided an example. It could be member testimonials, feedback, and among others. Um, I also believe the goal needs to be very clear where all persons involved understand what the common goal is. And as you mentioned, engaging the right people, um, the right people would need to be engaged. Um, you give an example, the champions and engaging the champion or um, a promoter. And this would be an individual, if I understand um, from what you said, an individual who will translate the mission, the vision and the values into the deployment of the strategy, which supports the goal of the organization. Um, You also touched on including the stakeholders who are involved in the process, which to me, um, it plays a huge role because they they do have valuable insight um, due to their exposure or involvement um, with the process. And the last point that you provided, which is um, showing appreciation, um, I believe when appreciation is shown, staffs feel good, uh, making them work harder to achieve organizational goals. And this is why appreciating people should just be um, a regular thing and not just ephemerally. Um, in addition, an employee rewards and recognition, it's a great way to show appreciation, which um, they do matter more than, you know, we, we, we think because it's directly related to job satisfaction, employee engagement and increased productivity. And you rightly said that um, people are our greatest asset. Absolutely. How can organizations ensure the process have big impact? So to maximize the impact of a change, it really takes careful thought, um, planning up front um, and flawless execution. So I think up front, aligning on clear, clearly defined scope and objectives is really key and making sure all involved understand the goals of, um, of your initiative. Um, like I said before, just around identifying those stakeholders who will be affected by change and making sure you get their input and engagement early on. Um, sometimes that could be even, um, you know, soliciting, um, you know, presentations or soliciting input or soliciting kind of the path that you plan to take ahead of time. So you're avoiding surprises. Um, I also think uh, developing an implementation plan that clearly outlines roles and responsibilities. So as you have a change um, idea or uh, it comes into the, you know, some significant steps, milestones, it really needs to be clear. Like, what is the action? Who owns the action and when they're going to do it by? So you can really make sure that everyone's agreeing to the plan. People understand different roles and responsibilities related to your to your implementation plan, uh, because then you're creating accountability and accountable partners. Um, a robust communication plan is always key. 
to make sure you're adhering to it and you're addressing those different levels of stakeholders uh, across your teams. Um, and then you can't underestimate, again, the measuring and evaluating the impact. So once implementation occurs, measuring its effectiveness is critical. And oftentimes in the HEOS world, this is challenging is you have um, administrative and hybrid measures and the cycle of the results from your performance are, are years ahead, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So um, there are ways to gauge success from your process changes. You can use leading indicators, um, monitoring tools, um, stepping you know some of the sequence of uh, process changes through simulation. Um, there, there are definitely ways to um, measure and monitor your progress of your change uh, throughout um, implementation phase. And as you're looking and monitoring these key metrics, be on the lookout for ways to improve um, it further. Uh, I think that also comes down to creating an environment where um, seeking new ideas, seeking improvement and allowing that to be brought forth. Um, it requires that openness and communication. So you can adjust your plan. Um, it's just how you continuously evolve. Um, that's going to help to drive that uh, process improvement to have the greatest impact on your organization. Exactly. You, you know, sometimes we think that once an initiative is implemented, um, that is it. We're done, you know, checked off from the list. It's completed. Move on to the next thing. Uh, but that shouldn't be the case uh, because the implemented change should be measured um, to check if the desired outcome is obtained from an operational um, or organizational standpoint. What are some of the ways you think um you know, organizations or leaders would be able to use to solicit um, feedback or um, contribution from staff? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the things that I've done um, in my past, you could do surveys, you could also um, have, you know, interview sessions with different folks. Um, You could have people bring part of the process forward to share their findings. Um, Another, uh, another thing that we've used in the past is around um, like a failure modes effect analysis. So you could already go ahead and like anticipate ways that the process might fail so that you can look for ways to solve around that. Um, I, uh, I also, you know, encourage my teams to bring forth, you know, where they find, um, find issues or find opportunities. Um, So that could be just through, you know, one of our one-on-one meetings. It could be through a team meeting. Um, I always like to receive feedback, you know, on, on improvements. Um, uh, But I, I do think, you know, some of the pain points related to implementing, you know, the continuous improvement uh, can also be time and resource constraints. You know, sometimes people don't have time to, to go through and, and, uh, and work on every, every nuance. So people may be shy to bring up those ideas because it may end up mm-hmm. you know, creating some additional work. Um, But if you can size that or prioritize uh, some of the different changes and show that, you know, you can bite off improvements in small chunks, uh, that can help um, encourage uh, folks to come forward and and share um, insights and opportunities. Yes, yes. These are great ways to solicit feedback from staff. And for me, my personal favorite is um, interview sections. Um, And and I like interview sessions because, number one, it's face-to-face. The staff is providing um, feedback on 
redundancies within the process, improvement areas. And it's, it's a great opportunity to, number one, clarify and to gain that understanding from my perspective and also to build trust and respect um, through active listening because the service um, sharing, you know, what, what they see and what needs improvement. And as a leader, um, it's definitely an opportunity for me to come in and show my my support and show my engagement by understanding what they're saying and also actively, you know, listening to let them um, know that they are heard. And FMEA is also a great way um, to identify problems um, or even it effects on the system before um, it happens, especially for adverse events. And and Tracy, you brought up um, pain points. Working with people, it's, it's not easy, never an easy thing. Um, it, it comes with challenges. Um, in continuous improvement, I don't think it happens in one day. Uh, you know, tr- creating a culture of continuous improvement, it takes time. Um, so what are your pain points when trying to implement a continuous improvement um, culture? Yeah, you hit um, my top one, which is resistance to change. Um, Some people really embrace change, um, but some people may resist because maybe they're comfortable with the status quo or maybe they're looking at it from their lens or their job responsibilities um, and not really understanding what, um, you know, someone else as part of the process, maybe downstream might be experiencing. So. Um, I do think it takes um, bringing those folks together and someone to take like an end to end view um, to bring together the stakeholders so that they can listen to each other and learn from each other. Um, so overcoming uh, that resistance to change really requires listening, hearing other people's thoughts, being open to hearing others perspectives and definitely strong leadership because somebody has to step up and say, let's bring everybody together um, so we can look at this end to end um, and figure out where there's opportunities for us to you know, streamline, make things more efficient or make sure that everything's flowing end to end um, so that we can you know, make sure we're closing the, that member's care gaps or um, uh, or, you know, whichever process that that you're working on. Uh, so that's that's definitely one of the big pain points is just resistance to change. Um, and I think I mentioned a, a little bit ago just around um, time and resource constraints. So um, it does require time to implement changes and to measure yeah. impacts. And if you're in an organization where you're stretched thin or um, it may, you know, maybe a struggle to find time uh, to, to make improvements, to invest in change, uh, I think. Going back to one of the uh, original points around the goal, what you're trying to solve for, uh, trying to measure and spend that time up front measuring just how much this will um, help to improve the overall process so that you can highlight the benefits that it would uh, would instill uh, should the change go through is important. Um, and then another uh, thing is that maybe you're know, trying to improve too much at one time can make it really challenging and it might even dilute the effectiveness of just what you're trying to do uh, because it creates a lack of focus. You know, you, you pick um, many things to change at one time and it causes teams to, to, to lose focus on critical steps. So I encourage teams to pick those initiatives that are going to have the most impact 
Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've used a payoff matrix, you know, before where you can look at those things that are going to have um, yield the highest, um, highest, highest value. Uh, that, mm-hmm. That's something that's a good strategy to use um, as well. Mm-hmm. Payoff matrix. I'll look into that. I, I tend to use the um, prioritization uh, matrix yeah. um, as well. So that's also another two to help, especially when there are multiple multiple priorities and it, they all they all seem to be um, crucial and yeah. how how do we how do we know which one to tackle first or which one um, should should come top on the list so um, I, I like um, the the two you provided payoff matrix um, in helping to kind of organize or be able to know which one that we should almostly um, pay attention to um, resistance to change as much as we all need change, we we don't like to change. <laughs> right. Um, and and um, and I realize that for most people, it's it's not that they don't want to change, but they are afraid of the the challenges that that change may bring. Uh, f- um, it could be related to the fear of failing or fear of not meeting up to the new set of expectations that may arise um, to the change. So it's it sometimes can be very uncomfortable, I realize, with you know, implementing new changes. Not that as human beings, we don't want to change, but then we're uncomfortable because we don't know what that change is going to bring or what is going to come our way. So it's always helpful in my experience trying to, um, you know, be human, provide that source of inspiration. Um, And that's when the leadership skills comes in. Uh, you know, providing a source of inspiration that even in moment of darkness or in the moment of uncertainties, um, you're able to raise the, the faith um, of the people high for them to be able to see beyond the limitation, the current limitations, and, you know, to look at the overall goal and what the impact um, may be. I think those are great points. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things that I try to do is I'm... I, I'm in a leadership position, but I am also not afraid to roll up my sleeves and help and really understand um, the steps. And I think that's been something that's been um, advantageous to me in my career is, you know, I want to learn just like everybody else. I want to understand what your, you know, what this process looks like. Um, try to help highlight some of the benefits of it, but also understand those fears uh, so that um, we can help solution together. So I appreciate you absolutely. saying that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I want to know what should leaders do um, to adapt to change I mean, and even address future you know, um, changes or challenges in, in the healthcare space? It's a great question. So um, to adapt to future changes and challenges um, in managed care organizations, we have to get closer to our members' needs, um, both clinically and socially. We've got to continue to advance our work on equitable care for our patients, and we've got to help to solve the drivers of poor health Um, and work to fix them. Um, I do think it's best practice to stay close to the advance notices, um, sharing best practices similar to the goal of your podcast, Dr. Saw. Um, And we also have to solve um, the barriers of receiving care. Uh, I think creating clear ownership and execution plans is um, absolutely 
helpful uh, and also expecting that continuous improvement culture exists within um, your organization. Um, there are always going to be higher bars set, you know, or a new problem to solve, but right. creating and fostering an environment within your teams that's trustworthy, open, um, honest, where, you know, people feel comfortable bringing ideas and innovation um, forward is, is highly encouraged. Um, I also um, like for my teams to leverage data and insights so they can under uh-huh. uh, uncover root causes. Um, I, I remember um, a leader that I uh, had um, in years past. Um, she read all the time, read research journals, things like that. I think it's important to continue to arm yourself with um you know, best practices and research and insights, um, I think those will help spark innovation um, and continue to help us to uncover root causes and pitfalls. Um, So um, all of those things will help us to feel more accountable and to help make this change um, for improvements um, within our organizations. Mm. Thank you so much for providing um, these tips. I think and definitely know they're going to be um, very helpful um, as leaders. Um, everyone is a leader in real sense. Um, and um, uh, the tools you've provided would help to be able to adapt um, and be able to address um, future um, challenges in the managed care space. And we all have to be part of the change. Um, so we'll be able to um, continue to impact the lives of our members and those around us. Well, Tracy, um, we are at the end of the discussion. I thank you so much for the insight you have provided and also for your time. Absolutely. I really enjoyed um, this this time with you and uh, appreciate you um, inviting me to participate in your podcast. Definitely. My pleasure. Well, guys, this is all that we have for you today. I trust that our conversation has um, sparked some ideas and some thoughts um, that you'll be able to take back to influence your work and also impact the lives of our members. And thank you to all my returning listeners. I really appreciate your support um, and your engagement um, since I started this project. And also to my new listeners, if this is your first time um, listening to this podcast, why don't you um, join the community um, by subscribing and also share this um, podcast with your network. Somebody is going to definitely be helped. And I'd like for you to give me a rating because it definitely helps. Well, thanks to you all for listening. I hope you have an amazing day. I will see you on the next episode. And as always, have a good one, everybody. Bye. If you found today's conversation as informative as we did, please take a moment, subscribe to the podcast and share with your network. Thanks for joining us for the Medicare Stars podcast and see you next time.